This audio file is a production of Chiasmos, the University of Chicago's international and area studies multimedia outreach source. For related audio and video, or for more information about the project, please visit chiasmos.uchicago.edu or internationalstudies.uchicago.edu. Professor Zilli is primarily uh, a Mughal specialist, Mughal history specialist, pre modern history. And he has done uh, uh, extraordinary work on an important manuscripts from Akbar's time uh, letters, Munshat uh, Namakin, and uh, several papers on Sufism and politics in pre Mughal and also under the Mughals, then very incisive comments on uh, Abdul Qadir Badayuni's Najatul uh, Rashid, which is yet to be analyzed, even if it has been published. So, uh, but we thought that since he comes from a very important madrasa, which was established by Shibli's comrade, colleague, friend, student, Maulana Hamiduddin Farahi, a major commentator on Quran, and a, <coughs> And he was also associated with Nadwatul Olama, Madrasa Nadwa, and Shibli Academy Azamgarh. And he is also related to Maulana Shibli, being himself a Rajput convert in <laughs> 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 Eastern UP under the pressure of Aurangzeb's sword. <laughs> yes, to avoid actually <laughs> the penalty, the Raja of Azamgarh uh, was invited. Uh, advised by Maulana Shariya Kuti uh, to become Muslim. But luckily for us, the Muslim community and for Muslim League, that this community remained Muslim reconvert <laughs> in the 19th century. Uh, so we thought that, you know, uh, he would be in a position to tell us something really significant about Shibli's years of uh, politics, even if uh, we all know that Shibli is a great scholar. And, uh, so, I am grateful to Professor Aram for his very kind words about me. I am very grateful to the organizers of this uh, uh, colloque that they have given me an opportunity to be here and to benefit from the scholars who are, who are gathered here. As uh, Professor Aram has said, I don't belong to this period, but the only, perhaps the only reason for my being here is that I belong to the tradition that established. established. Uh, I have been brought up in that tradition. Uh, uh, that is the only reason, perhaps, that brings me here. So, the ulama have played a very important role in the struggle of freedom, and the contribution of the ulama of Deoband is very well known. But then there were scholars who made equally great contribution, if not greater. But then their contribution is not so well known. Shibli is one of them. Shibli has been described by his disciple and his heir, Sayyid Suleiman Nadvi, as the greatest scholar, greatest, greatest alim of the modern times. Some people may not agree with this assessment, but then there, can, there is no denying the fact that he was one of the greatest alims of the modern times. He was not only an alim, he was a great historian, he was a literature, he was a poet of both Urdu and Persian. 
he wrote extens extensively on Urdu poetry and Urdu literature and Persian literature. His book on Persian literature, Shivalajam, remains unsurpassed. And uh, even Professor Brown has referred to it again and again, and it is still being referred in Iran. So his interests were very, very wide. And in that particular uh, aspect, he perhaps remains unsurpassed. So Muslim League, about Muslim League, he has also written something. And he has also some particular attitude about Muslim League, very well-defined kind of uh, views. So uh, I, will, I am privileged to present that position before this learned audience. Shibli, 1857-1914, was born in a Zamidar family of converted Rajput has been the well, a village in Azamgarh district in the eastern part of the uh, erstwhile United Provinces, now Uttar Pradesh. While the, he was born while the first war of independence was at its peak. His father, Sheikh Habibullah, was a zamidar and liar by profession. He had also a substantial business interest in indigo and sugar. He had close links with the British officers of the district. His mother also came from a zamidar family who traced their lineage to the Ansars of Medina. His maternal grandfather and two maternal uncles were liars by profession and one of them had even qualified for the post of Munsif. His brothers were educated at Aligarh and other seats of modern learning and one of them even went to England. He therefore belonged to a well-to-do family with links with British establishment of the region and familiar with modern education. After completing his traditional education under the most distinguished scholars of the time, he tried his luck at various jobs. Ultimately, he joined MAO College in 1883 and remained there till after the death of Sir Sayyid in 1898. He was the most distinguished voluntary scholar on the staff of the college and Sir Sayyid had great faith in him, in his learning and his intellectual abilities. But even during the period when he had not yet developed serious differences with Sir Sayyid on religious and other issues, he did not see eye to eye with him on political matters and supported Congress from its very inception despite, in spite of Sir Sayyid's opposition to it. Shibli's love for democracy that seems to have attracted him towards Congress could perhaps be traced to his study of the early history of Islam, the pious caliphate and its democratic functioning. In a debate at the Students' Union of the college around 1892 on the theme of democracy is better form of government or autocracy, Shibli strongly supported democracy and his forceful advocacy won the support of the students in spite of society's strong opposition. In his speech, he profusely cited examples from early caliphate in support of his arguments. He also dwelt on the method of selection of the early caliphs. His ideal was second caliph Omar al-Farooq. His biography of the Caliph remains unsurpassed for the excellence of its historical analysis and literary presentation, the democratic functioning and participatory character of the government institutions during his rule is too well known. He believed in democracy as a part of part and parcel of Islamic tradition. Secondly, as a scholar who had particular taste for history, he must have realized that freedom and independence can flourish only a democratic system and the community that has been dislodged from the portion of political power and was living as a minority in the country could hope to survive and prosper only under democracy. 
It was about two years after Shibli's joining the college that the Congress was founded in 1885. At that time, he was in full agreement with the objectives of Aligarh movement. He had founded a school for importing modern education at Azamgarh two years back, and had presented his most stirring poem, Subhumid, Morning of Hope, around that time. But in political matters, he subscribed to the ideals of the Congress. He never participated in practical politics. nor joined any political outfit he never attended congress sessions or worked on any of its bodies but he was in complete agreement with the objectives of the congress and shared its ideals in a letter he writes quote i always remained independent in my thinking i worked with sir sayed for 16 years but in political matters i never agreed with him and continued to like congress i had many discussions with him on this issue unquote after these differences about these differences abur rahman khan sherwani makes the following observation one reason for the disappointment of shibli with the college was the difference of opinion regarding political matter shibli was now a supporter of the new political movement if shibli's writings on the subject are put to a careful analysis it would emerge that his interest in politics has in fact grown out of his scholarly pursuits it would appear that shibli was drawn to nationalist politics of congress through his studies of islamic history and his devotion to the ideals of pan islamism his study of history had aroused deep sense of hostility and hatred against the british power that had deprived the muslims of the political authority in many of their lands and was at the root of their miseries moreover as a symbol of the unity of muslim world turkey occupied a very special place in the hearts of the muslim world over indian muslims felt particularly con- concerned by the development that affected turkey shibli was very sensitive in this regard his travels to istanbul and to other regions of the ottoman empire in 1892 only strengthened this sense of attachment with turks he remained very closely associated with the efforts of the indian muslims in this regard in 1911 italy invaded tripoli and while this war was not yet over the balkan war erupted in october 1912 this proved to be the last straw for the indian muslims it aroused strong undercurrents of resentment and anger against the europe and more particularly against the british it assumed the nature of a movement and shibli was in the forefront leading the way with his powerful writings he wrote a very strong poem on the occasion titled sharashob islam shibli was so deeply distraught by these developments that when dr mukhtar ahmed ansari was about to leave with his medical mission for turkey he knelt and kissed his boots it was actually this strong feeling of attachment with ottoman caliphate that ultimately took the shape of khilafat movement it was not a coincidence that most of those who spearheaded this movement are the people who have been closely associated with him like maulana mohammad ali abul kalam azad and sir suleiman nadwi it would seem that nationalist thinking was ingrained in his personality he even before congress was founded and his studies of his studies of history had helped him in determining his stand regarding the political situation operating in the country he named the school that he founded at azamgarh soon after joining the college as national school from the very inception of congress in 1885 he was an ardent admirer of its objective and his, his and his outlook in political matters was marked with remarkable independence approach that was
entirely out of tune with the general atmosphere of Aligarh. British professors held sway there, and perhaps under their influence, as well as in view of his own perceptions regarding needs of the Muslim community at that particular point of time, Sir Syed pursued a hostile policy towards Congress. In this atmosphere, Shibli was ill at ease regarding Muslim approach to the politics and regretted the Muslim apathy towards Congress. He was a great communicator and used to express his ideas and views freely and effectively. He did it while he was still a professor at the college. Khaja Walamu Sayyidan, who was a student during the period of Shibli's professorship at Aligarh, wrote after his death, Sir Syed Ahmad Khan was quite independent-minded, but in political matters he was a conservative. This was the reason why Shibli did not like his political views from the days of his professorship. In the circumstances, it was only natural that those who came in close contact with him, both as students as well as friends and acquaintances, were influenced by his views. People like Muhammad Ali were included among his favorite students, and Abu Kalam Azad was trained by him. It would therefore not be far-fetched to conclude that his ideas had helped, has played a role in molding their political attitude. In 1912, he seems to have felt that this was not enough, and it was need of the time to disseminate his political ideas among the people at large through press and to stem the growing hold of Muslim League among the Muslims. He, pers he persuaded Sayyid Mir Jan to publish an independent Muslim newspaper to, to propagate correct political ideas among the Indian Muslims. Shibli used to write articles and notes in this paper, both in his name and anonymously, and this led to a general belief that the paper reflected Shibli's views and ideas. The issues that were at the forefront at that time included division of Bangar and its consequent uh, annulment, Balkan Wars, the demand for Muslim universities, the tragedy of Kanpur Mosque, and Muslim League. On, these, on all these issues, this paper was in the forefront and, and its tone and tenor was set were determined by Shibli. He tried to inculcate to, to, and create what he called correct political attitude among the Muslims through this paper. The most important article that he wrote in the Muslim Gazette on the political situation of the country and the Muslims and that was published in four parts in this paper, beginning with the issue of February 12, 1912, was entitled Musalmano ki Political Karvat, Political Turn of the Muslims. It was written on the occasion of the annulment of the division of Bengal. The timing, lucidity of the arguments and adequacy of Muslim participation in the politics was so powerful that it proved to be turning point in the history of Muslim politics in India. Sayyid Suleiman Nadvi, the biographer of Shibli, considered it to have turned the face of the Muslim politics from Shimla to Qibla. The use of the term Qibla for the nationalist politics sums up the, the essence of Shibli's legacy in this regard. Shimla here obviously refers to Shimla deportation of 1906 for securing separate electorate for the Muslims, which ultimately led to the foundation of All India Muslim League on 13 September, 13 September, 30 September 1906 at Dhaka. At that time, it was generally felt that league, uh, in the league circles, that unless immediate steps were taken, the Muslims, on account of the growing fear of the majority, would ultimately join the Congress, which would in the end prove fatal to their existence. Taking note of the great sense of anxiety that was generated by an element of Bangas division in the Muslim community and the leadership, the article begins with the following statement that sets the tone or tone of his critique of Muslim League's policies. He says, quote, 
if it is true that the slap of the division of bengal had turned the face of the muslim politics then we are willing to sacrifice something more precious uh, besides bengal on this happy occasion but the noises emanating from the center of the politics that is muslim league are misleading and bound to fade away soon unquote then he turns his attention to an article by a muslim columnist that had appeared in the panier around that time it held out the proposition that as a result of the decline of turkey and iran the muslim would not be able to maintain their weight in the politics of the country and therefore they should join the hindus shibli takes a strong exception to this logic and says that unity with the hindu was a good idea and would remain to be a good idea but the new reason that has been advanced for this is nothing less than a matter of unmitigated shame then he asked that if had that had turkey and iran been powerful would they come to our assistance against our neighbors and had that made the british government accept our boosting at shimla that our political weight is greater than our neighbors he lord the article of akarmurk had written in the connection with the annulment of bengal's division and terms it as a very brave step but he does not agree with his view that the muslims would be inherited if they joined congress just like a river loses its identity when it joins the ocean he argues that if the small community of the parsis that does not number more than 1 lakh and can maintain its distinct identity in the midst of 19 crore hindus and 5 crore muslims there should be no reason for the muslims to worry about their future it is however true that a time had come for the muslims to awake from their political slumber and rise from their stupor what until now we thought to be politics was nothing but deception and pretense of politics the politics that had been whispered in our ears from our very birth like the sacred kalma shahadat consisted of only such glitches as time has not yet arrived we have not yet we have yet to make ourselves worthy of politics we need only education our people are in a minority and therefore representative principle of government does not suit us these ideas have been so deeply ingrained in the mind of the community that even highly educated people repeat it like gramophones this has proved to be extremely detrimental to the community and suppress their ambition ambition and aspiration for great achievements in our political dictionary lawful demand for freedom has been defined as treason a parsi and a hindu joins the congress criticizes the government and even then becomes a member of the parliament but a muslim is afraid to even at- attending the session of the muslim educational conference and sasayed had to put an announcement in the aligarh gazette that there is no ban on attending the educational conference i am told that some honorable people had put up had put up permission from the collector as a condition for joining the league when an explanation is sought for this difference in the behavior of the two communities we are told that the hindus are just like mosquitoes and therefore the government does not care for their buzzing while the muslims are lions and entire jungle trembles at their roar but now the period of deceit has come to an end and longing for a new life has permeated the community however the policy to be pursued in this new life was still to be determined in the second installment uh, uh, the second took Uh, the second installment took the, con- the into consideration the following crucial questions number 1 correct scheme of politics number 2 inconsistency of the present policy number 3 hindu muslim unity according to him muslims hold two entirely different position in the present situation 
they are subjects of british government and they are muslims these two elements are basic to their politics and had to be kept in mind while formulating any scheme of politics for them in this context it should be also be useful to remember that british government is not a monarchy in the traditional sense of the word but it is in fact a parliamentary form of government a parliamentary form of government cannot lose its meaning and content simply because it is another country and the color of the people is different it is also not true that indians are incapable of shouldering important responsibilities it is borne out by the fact that in spite of stiff resistance the movement for securing basic rights for the indians is making steady progress obviously muslims cannot remain unaffected by these developments and in different parts of the country they have been asserting their views but surprisingly the muslims of the region which could be called the head and heart of the country remain totally cut off from politics uh, he refers to up basically it is not a natural development but there are some important impediments which are responsible for this state of affairs he locates these impediments in the policies of sir sayed he recounts a number of instances where sir sayed took very bold and independent political stand and comes to the conclusion that it was only the tyranny of the circumstances that compelled such a fearless person to restrain the entire community from participating in the politics of the day then he makes a critical appraisal of the lucknow speech of sir sayed and provides convincing answers to his arguments he says that it could be it could it could very well be argued that sir sayed was within his right to prevent the muslims from joining the congress as their needs are both common with the hindus as well as distinct from them it would be therefore logical to think that the community needs its own political stage but at this point something peculiar appears on the scene in the form of muslim league what is this strange looking ajibul khilqat entity is it politics god forbid no is it anti congress well no is it house of lords looks like it <laughs> looks like it the two installments of the article sent shock waves throughout the country and shibli was subjected to very harsh criticism which he terms as inquisition this led him to write the third installment of the of his article in this article first of all he makes a sketching criticism of the wrong policies pursued by muslim league and then proceeds to spell out what he considered to be the correct politics he says that to understand that present politics is wrong is the in fact the key to understanding the correct politics the notions of wrong politics are so deeply ingrained in the minds of the community that it does that there does not remain much scope for understanding correct politics wherever there is any talk of politics this talk response always is that time has not yet come we will still we still need to concentrate on education and this pours cold water on the political sentiments and aspiration and one returns where one was standing 30 years ago the most dangerous thing in this regard is the useless and fake entity ek farzi bekar cheez muslim league is flaunted before us and it is pretended to be politics the way the community has been mesmerized for the last 30 years it unhesitatingly accept what whatever is doled out to it therefore while talking about politics it is absolutely necessary to understand that muslim league is not politics today and it shall it shall not be politics in the next 1000 years the following question also need to be taken into consideration in this regard in what circumstances league was founded and what were the people who founded it 
द इंस्पिरेशन फॉर दिस केम फ्रॉम विद इन दर्ट इट वॉज ब्रॉड बाई समल फ्रॉम अबव इन दिस रिगार्ड द फॉलोइंग इशूज नीड टू बी क्लियरली डिटर्मिन डज द कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन ऑफ मुस्लिम ऑफ द लीग कन्फॉर्म टू द रिक्वायरमेंट ऑफ पॉलिटिक्स आर द बेसिक एलिमेंट्स ऑफ पॉलिटिक इंश्राइंड इन इट कुड मुस्लिम लीग एवर सर्व एनी वर्थ वाइल पर्पज रिमेनिंग मुस्लिम लीग इन दिस कनेक्शन इट वुड बी यूजफुल टू रिकॉल दैट द बेसिस ऑफ द लीग इज शिमला डिपुटेशन and the spirit of shimla division will continue to pervade it whatever shape it takes basic basic objective of league was to demand a share for the muslims in those political rights that the hindus had won through their hard struggle during the last 30 years this is the essence and the rest is simply an adaptation to the situation the point that that is sought to be hammered day and day, day and night is the bogey of hindu hegemony and need for preserving the muslim identity in the face of hindu onslaught he terms the shimla deputation as the biggest tamasha that was put on the national stage then he asks could it be proper to term mutual conflict and clash among two sections of the subject as politics according to him politics concerns a debate about the limits of subjects participation in the administrative apparatus of the government this would mean that politics is concerned with the sharing of power between the rulers and the ruled and not conflict and clash between subjects which is the objective of the muslim league then he makes a comparative study of the resolution congress had passed since its inception and the resolution that muslim league had passed till date and says that anyone can see the great difference between them beside the nature significance and weight of the resolution it is also important how they are pursued if the changes that had taken place in the administrative in the administration during this period are studied closely it could be easily discerned that since the congress began its demand for political rights there has been steady progress in the direction of self government under auspices of british rule politics is a powerful national sentiment and when it is aroused in the heart it works as a great motivating and invigorating force that inspires the nation to great endeavors sacrifice and exceptionally hard work but this is not reflected in the attitude of the league which seems to believe that only saying something is politics and does not entail any hard and concerted effort in support of his argument he cites league's demand for separate elections at the municipal level the principle of separate representation has been accepted for viceroy's council and provincial council but these have not been used for any worthwhile purpose our representatives in these bodies do not use them for asking constructive questions putting across and putting across reform proposals they waste their time in pity in petty issues it is due to the lack of correct political attitude in the league that in this it's that in its rank and files one can hardly find a person who is prepared to incur some loss for the sake of the politics he lament that there is none among them among these self appointed rulers uh, leaders who could be prepared to dedicate his life like servants of india society and there is no institution like gurukul those who think that they are making some kind of sacrifice by attending annual political mela are in fact deceiving themselves it could be stage for recreation show off and show up but it not, it has nothing to do with sacrifice the tree is known by its fruits if our politics should have been real politics the necessary result must have followed toward the end of this criticism of muslim league he discusses its basic structure and whether it could ever be possibly corrected and whether the league could 
ever be willing to give up its basic character the basic problem that is always that it always looks towards wealth and affluence as the basic basic qualifying for president secretary and members of the district office office bearers for all these offices only those people are sort who have golden sheen on their faces but in politics such people do not hold any value because they would never be willing to compromise their status and position on the other hand congress has never offered its offices to such people at the end of this discussion he spells out what he calls correct politics and which he wants the muslim league to follow number 1 first of all he wants the muslim league to expand its area of activity in addition to those small problems which are specific to any particular community the league should take up those issues on which the the destiny of india depends as an example is side the problem of agrarian settlement on which the prosperity of the country depends but the league had never thought about this problem it is common observation that poor are getting poorer at the time of every settlement there is exorbitant increase in revenue demand which leads to indebtedness penury and starvation many peasants are forced to leave their hearth and home in spite of all this misery and that comes in its wake the settlement is repeated every 30 years in his opinion introduction of permanent settlement would lead to greater benefit than securing few more jobs for the muslims number 2 effort should be made to ensure that such conditions are created that indians have an opportunity to participate in all administrative matters he refers to gokhle's gokhle gokhle's bill for the creation of district council and considers it as a very fine bill for the general welfare of the country it is therefore necessary that except for some specific specific resolutions that concern any particular community all the resolution adopted by the congress should be included in the program of the league and every effort should be made for their realization in the same way as the moderate hindus do number 3 recently amir ali has suggested creation of a common national stage of hindus and muslims and that the deputations to the viceroy should consist of both hindus and muslim it is a step in the right direction and should be immediately implemented the big zamid number 4 the big zamidars and talukadar should be removed from the executive committee of the muslim league only such persons should be appointed to to this body who have independence of character and courage of conviction to freely and independently express their opinion number 5 the task of inculcating true understanding of politics should be given priority politics is a vast branch of knowledge and enormous literature exists on the subject necessary material needs to be rendered into our language books and pamphlets should be published in important on important issues capable persons should be appointed to tour the country and lecture on issues pertaining to politics with a view to educating the people on the subject number 6 some people should be appointed either in honorary or paid position to investigate specific issues for instance they can stay at district headquarters and carry out investigation to the conditions of the district what was the condition of the district 30 years ago how many big zamidars were there and what kind of people held these zamidaris what is the position now and what happened to these land holdings how many of them have been sold what was the nature of the debts that led to the to this position what are effects of land settlements what is the condition of the peasants and how many people have migrated to other countries in the fourth part of the article he talked about the imperative need of hindu muslim unity it was generally believed that since unity among the two communities is not possible therefore there could not be common front with hindus even in politics 
both premises of his of this argument are wrong but it is something through which one can play on the sentiment of muslim without end then he goes into the history and talks about the reconciliation of the two communities under the moguls and gives some very moving examples of the unity of the two communities he asserts that it could be achieved again at the end at the end he says that the biggest sin that the hindus have are supposed to have committed is the foundation of congress which is considered to have drawn a dividing line between the two communities in this context he poses the question that in case muslim do, do not do anything and continue to sit idle should the hindus have also followed this uh, done the same he goes on to argue that through the though the people who are supposed to be our leaders don't agree with these ideal ideas but the opposition is now at its last leg the community has been taken for right for the last 30 years now is the time to let and let it understand the politics uh, that that this political look alike is not politics coming from the pen of one of the most distinguished indo-islamic scholars of the time these articles led to a great is uh, to great stir among the muslims in general and muslim league circles in particular and made leaders of the league to think afresh about the policies and the structure of the organization political developments on national and international scene also seem to have forced their hands to introduce necessary reforms and widen the scope of the movement annulment of bangas division balkan and tripoli wars and russian aggression against persia and the attitude of british government towards these issues so deeply antagonized the indian muslim that it was no more possible to continue with the old policy of unqualified loyalty toward the government as a result as a re- as a result of the churnings that was triggered by shibli's constructive criticism of league's policies and suggestions for its reform as well as under the pressure of the emerging situation muslim league was forced to somewhat change its track in the entire situation is if the entire situation leading to the changes introduced in the aims and objectives of the league are dispassionately analyzed it would clearly emerge that while the changing political scenario did play a role in it the major credit for it must go to the powerful writings of shibli on the need of reform in the organization the brief period of collaboration between the league and the congress to a large extent was inspired by shibli but due credit is not given to him for this it however did not ma- remain entirely unnoticed to fail to fail manglori writing about him in his well known book musalmano ka roshan mustaqbil observes until now it was mostly the modern educated class that was in the forefront of political activity it is however a matter of great surprise that ever since the muslims left the communal firqa warana politics and entered the normal political activity of the country the role of the ulama trained in the old traditions traditional system of education manifestly increased in fact they played leading role in taking out muslims from the mire of communalism foremost among them was maulana shibli nomani he used his powerful power of writing to change the view point of muslim league maulana abul kalam azad helped him in bringing the muslim league muslims to the mainstream of politics after the publication of the articles shibli was assured by some um, they then uh, then i take uh, uh, into consideration some the the, the the resolution that congress passed around that time in which uh, the uh, self rules suitable to india uh, was uh, accepted and also the 
लीग लीग यस लीग लीग एंड आल्सो द नीड फॉर यूनिटी विद द हिंदूज बट कांग्रेस कांग्रेस वेलकम्ड ऑल दिस वेरी वार्मली बट बट शिबली whom some scholars have in fact counted among the architect of self rule resolution does not seem to have been impressed by this apparently very significant change of the direction of muslim league he thinks that it was adopted to stop large scale migration of muslim toward congress league ko jab nazar aaya ki chali haath se qoum ek naya roop bhara usne bandaaz e digar the developments within the outside country had targeted them Shibli was a poet of exceptional excellence and beauty he was a founder of the of the genre of political poetry in urdu language his political poetry is a class by itself a considerable portion of it is devoted to muslim league a critical analysis of the poetry that he wrote regarding muslim league would reveal that he looked on on it with deep deep distrust it is interesting to note that this that the section on muslim league contains a note that says when the league was founded its main objective was to fight fellow citizens and not the government and show off loyalty to the rulers in his article he referred above he had said that the basic objective of shimla deportation that led to the foundation of the league was to demand a share in those rights that hindus have won through their long struggle in a poem regarding the objectives of the shimla deportation he very sarcastically says when hindus secure some rights through hard struggle we should also get some share in it for the sake of panjatan when the lion hunts some prey and brings it home the fox reaches there and says something to me also my lord saye bazu simile jab hinduon ko kuch huquq isme kuch hissa mile humko bahare panjatan yani jaakar sher jab jangal se kar laaye shikar lomdi pahunche ki kuch mujhko bhi de mujhko bhi hai sarkar e man dif in in another poem after portraying the caricature of league of those days those early days he says if anyone asks about the virtues of leagues in brief it could be said that it is a benefactor of the community as well as a servant of the slave of the rulers then uh, then as i have quoted some more poetry and uh, example of such sarcastic criticism could be multiplied from the poetry of shibli where he criticizes the league for not taking up the issues on which depended the progress and development of the country and which were not specific to any particular community his solicitude for the plight of peasants and his insistence on the implementation of permanent land settlement throughout india are particularly noteworthy this shows the breadth and breadth of his vision coming as he did from a zamindar family it might have been reflecting his own experience there could be little doubt that he was a pioneer among the ulama who used his powerful pen to create what he called correct attitude towards politics among the muslims kelly shibli was first among the ulama to oppose the muslim league on the theoretical level his writings on the subject mark a watershed in the history of muslim politics in india he was thus the first additional muslim scholar to oppose the separatist policy of league and and plead for unity and reconciliation among the hindus and muslims Uh, and emphasized the need uh, to work jointly for the betterment of the country founders of deoband were inheritors of anti british legacy of mujahideen movement of sayed ahmed shaheed they have actively participated in the first war of independence deoband was still a citadel of anti british feelings 
Olma of Deoband sympathized with the policies of Congress. They openly supported the concept of Hindu-Muslim unity for achieving the independence of the country and issued fatwa in support of these issues. But their active participation in the politics, in fact, began after the return of Shahul Hind, Maulana Mahmud Hassan, from, Ma from Malta and foundation of Jamiatul Ulama in November 1919. No doubt, Jamiatul Ansar was formed in 1909 on the behest of Maulana Mahmud Hassan, but its aim and objective are not mentioned anywhere, and it seems to have faded out after the Muradabad session in 1911. The pro-Congress and anti-Muslim League stage around crucial year of 1912 as far as the ulama are concerned, belonged to Shibli. Beside many ulama who supported Congress and opposed Muslim League, under his influence, the middle class of the community, which mainly consisted of modern educated people, was particularly affected by his political thought. Those rebellious young men who around this time came to be known as the Harar, and who later joined Congress, were in fact mainly inspired by his political views. A number of poems that he wrote about Harar advising, admonishing and even apologizing on their behalf for their uh, rashness would go to clearly suggest that his relation, uh, relationship with them was that of a guide and a pattern. What is time? No. So then, uh, then I have discussed uh, the legacy of uh, Shibli, which of course could not be read. Uh, in that particular regard, uh, Abul Kalam Azad, how far he was influenced by Shibli, and uh, his heir and uh, the great scholar whom Iqbal has referred to be as Ustadul Kul, uh, um, who became even a member of the working committee of the Congress later on, and Dalu Musannifin, which was the institution that was, uh, which was planned by Shibli and which that was established by his successors and that emerged as the biggest research and publication center of history in the entire Muslim world. Uh, uh, and uh, those who were associated with it, and then Masjid also, which was a institution which was basically established for the dissemination of and research in Quran. But then all these institutions under the influence of Shibli, they throughout this period uh, uh, followed uh, a policy, a pro-Congress policy, and they participated in, in, a, in a big way in non-cooperation movement. Non-cooperation movement was a big success in Azamgarh. And as far as Shibli is concerned, it, it, it emerged as a nerve center of the entire region, and all the important Congress leaders used to, whenever they used to pay a visit to that region, they used to stay there. Gandhiji did not stay there, but then he paid a visit there. Jawaharlal Nehru stayed there numerous occasions, Motilal Nehru, Sarni Naido, and all of them, uh, all the important leaders. So, Shibli's legacy, Shibli himself has remained um, uh, a supporter of Congress on theoretical level, but then those, his heirs and those who uh, were bearers of his legacy, they actually plunged into the practical politics. And um, uh, if there would have been time, then uh, I, 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 I would like just to say a few words about one of his disciples, uh, Iqbal Suhail. Uh, because Iqbal uh, because Suhail was, uh, 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 he did his MA and uh, LLB at Aligarh with uh, uh, at the same time when Zakir Hussain and uh, Rashid Amr Siddiqui was there and they were great friends. 
and he was a, dis a disciple and pupil of Shibli. So, uh, uh, he has written many poems uh, in support of Congress and uh, singing the songs of independence and they are, they are, they are really worthy of being uh, read. But then uh, on two issues uh, which are very important that should be mentioned here, one is Hindu-Muslim unity about which he says that, um, uh, that that is connected with the, uh, the problem of Qaum, the, what is Qaum. Uh, and the Akbal, you may have some, some may re, 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 recall the Akbal's criticism of Hussain Ahmad Madni, that he said that the Qaum is uh, belongs to the, it is, is actually, uh, is related to the land, to the country, the birthplace. So he says that uh, he, he, is, he is unaware of the traditions of the Prophet. Abbas says, says that you are totally unaware of the uh, Quran and Hadith and all that because there are two terms, Qaum and Millat. And he says that the, whenever the Prophet said, our own Prophet said that Inna Qawmi Kazzabu, my Qaum has uh, betrayed me, they, 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 they don't believe me. So what does it mean? Because, because the, the, his Qaum was a Qaum of unbelievers. But then he refers to them or he says that uh, uh, depicting the earlier uh, prophet, they say that uh, the prophets were said in the uh, on the in the they, 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 they brought the message in the language of their qaum. Now the qaum is used in the Quran again and again. So he says that actually millat is uh, a different thing and qaum is a different thing. So it should not be confused. And then he says that um, as far as the Hindu Muslim unity is concerned, then. Whether it is a Brahman or it is Shaykh, anybody who belongs to India belongs to one form. Thank you very much. Uh, he was, of course, a, a prolific writer and uh, 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 there's much to be uh, spoken of him in, in, in other respects, and it would be interesting to put all of these, uh, these things together. In some, in some ways, uh, Nudvi's biography does that, but now it's time for, to, to revisit uh, that kind of uh, project. Um, it's been mentioned several times uh, that Shibli came from perhaps an unconventional background for a member of the ulama, uh, that is, he was... Uh, the son of a large landholder, and his brother uh, was a barrister. Uh, he, his father was a, not only a landholder, but a bit of an entrepreneur. And besides the things you mentioned, I always like the fact that he established Azimgar's first ice factory. Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, um, uh, so there was an enterprising, uh, and, and those, uh, uh, those of us who are interested in uh, making the social connections of intellectuals uh, have a lot to think of in uh, talking about somebody like Shibley, who was a Rajput. Uh, recently I had to write a little piece uh, about the word Ashraf, as Mazafar Rizal knows, and uh, uh, I asked somebody... Uh, who is a well-known Urdu literary scholar, uh, uh, what would you say about Shibli? Was he a member of the Ashraf? And he said, no, 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 he couldn't no, be a member of the Ashraf. Right. This is what Bernie used to say. So this is, uh, uh, he, he was something of a, of a self-made man. He didn't come through the conventional 
uh, channels, uh, although he went around and studied with leading scholars. He even visited, uh, spent some time in Dayabund itself in its early years. Uh, but mostly he was a disciple of this very interesting uh, uh, family of ulama from Chiriakot that you, that you mentioned, which was itself a remarkably cosmopolitan uh, uh, intellectual tradition. Uh, this is uh, the same family uh, um, uh, Sayyid Ahmed Khan's uh, uh, friend and associate uh, uh, taught, uh, taught Sayyid Ahmed Khan Hebrew. Uh, and, and they also did Sanskrit and, 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 and so on. So uh, uh, it was a, a very interesting family associated uh, with, a, with what I gather is a tradition of, uh, uh, that uh, goes back before the 19th century of a, an ongoing tradition that reaches all the way back to the Mutazilite uh, uh, movement of uh, Islamic rationalism. Um, so this was his uh, background. And then he came to Aligarh not as a uh, teacher of religion, but as the assistant professor of Persian. And he uh, was a literary uh, scholar, first of all, and someone who wrote, uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, a major uh, uh, history of uh, Persian literature, and then went off to write history. And uh, in his relationship with Syed Ahmed Khan is a complicated and, uh, and very interesting one. In some sense, uh, I mean, there was certainly a struggle, but there was also a bit of a father-son relationship uh, with Syed Ahmed Khan, which maybe goes with the, uh, the struggle. And uh, uh, Syed Ahmed Khan had a house built for him in his own compound so that Shibli could have convenient use of, uh, of the library. And, uh, um, and Shibli would, would take meals with him and spend a lot of time, and also spend a lot of time with uh, uh, Syed Mahmoud. Uh, sometimes uh, there's a, a description of Shibli saying, after Mah Syed Mahmoud, who was a, a high court judge and drank a lot, uh, saying, uh, after two or three hours of conversation, saying, I really have work to do. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> have to move on. This is in uh, Sheikh Abdullah's uh, autobiography. Um, so um, then he left uh, uh, Aligarh, and but in, in his time in Aligarh, he represented uh, what I've called a counterculture. Uh, he and his associate, uh, the British scholar T. W. Arnold, who was later one of the founders of uh, uh, the uh, uh, SOAS, uh, the School of Oriental and African Studies traveled together as, uh, to, uh, to the Middle East, to Istanbul, Damascus, and Cairo uh, in the early 1890s, gathering uh, books uh, and, uh, for, for their research in early Islamic uh, history. Primarily history in the early years of Islam outside of India, uh, though Shibli did write some, uh, did write a book on uh, Aurangzeb um, uh, in, in Indian history, but that wasn't his primary uh, uh, interest. He was a historian who was concerned with telling the tale of the rise and fall of civilizations, and uh, that that kind of uh, project uh, is uh, uh, something that was. Uh, very much concern of, uh, of the Oligar movement, and he was very much a part of the Oligar movement yes. in that in, in that respect. Uh, 
I, I would also say that although he was oppositional, his opposition in some sense legitimized the Oligar movement. The fact that you could say that Shibley was here at Oligar, just as you could say that there was uh, some Deobandis at Oligar and, and so on, uh, um, uh, was a way of showing Oligar's uh, credentials as against Syed Ahmed Khan's much more radical uh, religious, uh, religious ideas. Um, and uh, a group of students clustered around Shibli and uh, 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 such as Malana Muhammad Ali and uh, Zafar Ali and uh, even the Ghulam al-Sakhlein, who was a Shia. Uh, um, and uh, uh, those were sort of the intellectual students rather than the cricket-playing or football-playing uh, students. Uh, um, and so it was a counterculture, but it, but it was something that they were always proud of. And it's interesting, although Shibley never attended the, uh, he regularly attended the Muslim educational conference. And uh, as you mentioned, he recited poetry at the Muslim educational conference. And even after he left Oligar, he uh, continued to attend the Muslim educational conference. But he didn't attend the Muslim League, but uh, he is always referred to in the Muslim League as, uh, there's a mention of Shibli uh, in, a, in a very positive light as, as, a, as a product of Oligar and an, an example of Oligar. So in some sense, uh, the movement of modernist and uh, uh, politically minded and somewhat pragmatic uh, Muslims uh, needed Shibli, uh, to, needed to include him in, in their group to show that they were, uh, in some sense, representatives of the religiously oriented uh, uh, Muslims, um, uh, despite uh, Syed Ahmed Khan's uh, um, uh, radical Islamic ideas. Um, the uh, issue is when we turn to uh, his uh, political thought, um, trying to make sense of an issue that comes up again and again and that Menon really introduced our whole conference, is how to work out the pragmatic politics, the, if you, to misuse the word ethnic politics of, uh, 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 Muslim, of, of Muslims, the, the desire to just create a, a, uh, a political interest group with the religious side. And uh, we all know that uh, uh, Jinnah was not a religious man, uh, that many of the people who uh, advocated uh, a what came to be known as Muslim separatism in one way or another, uh, and certainly people who advocated pa uh, Pakistan, were not necessarily uh, uh, motivated by directly religious thoughts. They were motivated by a sense of insecurity, a fear of uh, uh, a defensiveness against uh, a majority that might themselves be motivated by religious, uh, uh, religious ideas. Um, but they were, uh, they were perhaps motivated by romantic notions of Muslim history. But, uh, but not necessarily by religion. Yet, one keeps returning to religion because it turns out you really can't have a Muslim politics uh, without, without religion. It, it is hard to uh, sustain that uh, and be convincing. And that, I think, is uh, sort of the, the point that you were making about uh, the mass, uh, the, the Muslim outreach, whatever it was called, in, uh, in the late, 19, late 1930s. Um, so, uh, 
one had to look to people like Shibley uh, to show that uh, actually the political movements were uh, on um, on grounds that could be trusted. And Shibley's turn to politics, uh, particularly in this very dramatic series of articles that uh, that he wrote in 1912, is part of. Uh, I'm not. Sh- totally convinced that he initiates it, but because there was already a movement starting with the 1907 student strike at Oligar uh, that was very oriented toward uh, Congress, pro-Congress. Uh, Reza Ali, Syed, Dr. Syed Mahmoud, and, 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 and so on were already associated with, uh, with the Congress, and even uh, uh, Shibley's uh, uh, had good relations with uh, with Aziz Mirza, who was taking over the the Muslim League at that time and was uh, favorable uh, to the Congress. And of course, the Congress and the Muslim League ultimately in 1916 um, become allies. And for a period of time, uh, uh, for uh, uh, for for the for the the next. Uh, uh, four or five years, the Congress and, and the Muslim League are virtually uh, identical with each other, and things could have gone in that direction in, in all kinds of ways. So the question is, what was the politics that uh, Shibley really was advocating? And you mentioned in the paper, although it didn't uh, uh, come out uh, in, in your presentation, that uh, he was one uh, very concerned with the pan-Islamic uh, uh, movement, and this, of course, leads us into the Khilafat movement and Shibli's disciple. Uh, you, you make the case very well that, uh, and in fact, uh, I was totally convinced before that uh, Malana Azad is uh, is very much Shibli's disciple. Uh, one could also say, perhaps, that uh, uh, through T.W. Arnold, there's a connection with Iqbal, and Iqbal was very aware of, uh, of Shibley, and, uh, uh, and there perhaps is even a, a connection in, the, in their poetry. Uh, but um, uh, the uh, uh, so there was a movement which shared this notion of participation in the empire, representative government in the empire. This was the uh, really the demand of the Congress, and the, the only problem was how would you invent the particular mechanisms of representation, and how would uh, uh, what would be uh, uh, given to Muslims as a constituency? Would Muslims, as such, be recognized as a political uh, interest, and how would you formulate that? And for some time. The Congress agreed to that. It was really only in the Nehru report in 1927 that the Congress uh, turned its back on the recognition of uh, Muslim political rights. On the other hand, there's something else about Shibli that uh, should be mentioned. He's one of the founders of the Nadvatul Ulama, and that was founded not as a school but as a uh, as an organization. And in 1894, the uh, founding meaning of the Nadva. He makes very clear uh, that he feels that the leadership of the Muslim community should be with the ulama. 
not with uh, the Oliger students. Not uh, in that sense, he turns his back on the whole project of Oliger, which was to tr to train up a new leadership for uh, for Indian Muslims. Shibley takes the position that uh, that new education is of little value, and that uh, the people who are truly educated in, uh, in Islam are the appropriate leaders of, of the community. Um, and that makes, puts uh, his nationalism and his uh, anti-imperialism, we might, might call it, rather than nationalism, uh, in line with uh, what might also be considered uh, the more conservative uh, 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 groups within Muslim uh, politics. So you get this peculiar uh, uh, strain in which Muslim separatism, what in some views leads to Pakistan, is also associated uh, with uh, what we might call secular thought, we might call a, moder uh, a project of modernity, and uh, the pro-nationalist, anti-imperialist side becomes associated with uh, 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 more religiously conservative uh, movements. And that's something that remains in Pakistan to this day, so that Pakistan really can't define itself Certainly not in the way that Jinnah uh, uh, had in mind in his famous constituency uh, assembly uh, speech as a, uh, uh, as a national identity apart from its Islamic identity.